Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The offseason is officially underway. The Revolution have released their year-end decisions, and the roster is starting to take shape. We talked about it a little bit at the end of the last podcast, but to our surprise, a little bit, uh, a lot of players on this team are staying. There's not going to be a whole lot of roster turnover. Only five players who were under contract during 2021 are currently off the roster as of this moment. So uh, not a whole lot of turnover that we expected, but... I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today, Sean Donahue. Sean, how is it going? Good, good. It's uh, removed from the Tuesday night disappointment and uh, some interesting MLS matches over the weekend that unfortunately did not involve the revolution, but we're looking forward to a a Portland-New York City FC MLS Cup, and I'm just happy that we're not going to have to watch it in a baseball stadium. (laughs) Yes, yes. Although it it does hurt to see New York City FC take advantage of a COVID-depleted Philadelphia Union um, it's hard not to look at that and say what could have been if the revolution had won differently on penalty kicks, but um, that's a tragic story that we'll talk about another day. We're going to try to keep it a little bit upbeat today uh, and helping me do that. Chris Lucas is here also. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad you turned to me for the positive remarks. You know, I'll, I'll try to keep it as uh, uplifting as possible today. Uh, like Sean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much over a lot of the uh, the bad feelings from, from Tuesday night and uh, just... Looking forward to, to what could be and, uh, you know, what, what February might bring for us and uh, looking forward to a fun offseason. Yep, we've made it through the week. I know I personally have been binging Tiger King 2 in order to get past uh, all of that stuff that happened on Tuesday. And I got to say, it's basically wiped my memory clean uh, and we're on to 2022. And uh, now that we're on to 2022, uh, year-end decisions came out. Um, a lot of guaranteed contracts, 16 guaranteed contracts, uh Six options exercised, John Bell, Dewan Jones, Henry Kessler, Edward Kizza, Maciel, and Justin Rennox. One player option was declined. That was Colin Verfruth. I don't think we have any real um, surprises on that. He didn't make a single appearance in his two years on the Revolution senior team. Uh, a bit of an unfortunate end for the first ever Rev signing from uh, Revolution 2, but uh, he never really made that next step. It wasn't getting a ton of playing time down at Revs 2, so I, I don't think that's a big surprise, but that's the only player option declined. Four players out of contract for 2022. They, they saw their contracts end uh, this past week. Tejan Buchanan uh, obviously is going to uh, uh, Belgium, uh, Luis Caicedo, Scott Caldwell, and Brad Knighton also all under contract. We already knew about Scott Caldwell and Brad Knighton. Uh, Luis Caicedo is the news there. Um, Sean, out of contract, I think, is what we need to say there. Sorry, what? Out of contract for those players. You, I think you said uh, they're under contract. But... Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, they're, they're out of contract uh, yep. as of right now. Uh, Sean, I'll go to you quickly. Uh, was there any surprises on these year-end decisions? Uh, and do you expect to see any of the four in Caicedo Caldwell? Well, actually, I guess three. Caicedo Caldwell and Knighton brought back for next season. Yeah, I mean, I guess the surprise, no, no real surprises on who's out of contract. We kind of knew in advance that, you know, Knighton and Caldwell were out of contract. I don't think Knighton's going to come back. Um, we've talked about it before. I wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he was interested in going to, to Charlotte and kind of his hometown team that's that's launching. Um, and my, you know, my thoughts on that are kind of reinforced by the fact that Earl Edwards Jr. is under contract for um, 2022. I was surprised that he was given multiple guaranteed years. Um, and I guess that's the biggest surprise for me overall is the guys that were given multiple guaranteed years that I think in the past wouldn't have been Earl Edwards being one as kind of an unproven uh, guy that's been in the league for a long time and kind of signed probably didn't have too many options where to go. Um, but it looks like he was given multiple guaranteed years and AJ De La Garza, who's going to be 35 um, next season, given multiple guaranteed years. Both of those kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I'm not saying they wouldn't have been back anyways, but the fact that they weren't even option years kind of surprised me because if, you know, kind of comparing Bruce Arena as GM to Mike Burns as GM, um, you know, everyone's very happy with what Bruce Arena's done. But I think one thing you'd say is if, if Mike Burns was GM, you probably would have seen a lot more guys like Dale Garza and Earl Edwards who were you know, signed as free agents being given like one year plus option instead of two guaranteed years. Um, and I would say Scott Caldwell, there's a chance he could come back. It wouldn't surprise me if there was, you know, a one year deal given to him at kind of a reduced salary. 
Um, well, I mean, he's not making that much anyways, maybe the same salary, but maybe a short-term one-year deal as a veteran guy to get depth. Um, I've heard a few people say the Revs should bring Louis Caicedo back. I, I don't really think they should. I think that, you know, he's offered a lot to the Revs. He's, um, when he's been healthy and, you know, he's got a green card, so he's not international. Um, so maybe if you sign him at a discount, you bring him back. But I, I think his injury history over the past couple of years, um, it just it doesn't give me enough faith that if you brought him back for another year, he wouldn't just be on the sidelines the whole season. It's unfortunate to say, but I'm not sure you're going to see the same Louis Caicedo that you saw two or three years ago. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring him back. I think the revolution should move on there. Um, and then, you know, Resigning Edward Kizza, picking up his option, that surprised me. You know, he didn't contribute too much this season, and he's taking up an international spot. Um, so I didn't, I didn't expect that move. I think the Revolution have, you know, eight guys going into next season that take international roster spots, and I, as far as I'm aware, I think they only have eight international roster spots, so that doesn't give them too much flexibility. Um, and then Justin Reddicks, I think we talked about in the last episode. I wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't exercise that option, but they did. So, um, yeah, I guess my my only surprises are more the guys that are. You know, we're under multiple guaranteed year contracts, um, particularly De La Garza and, and Earl Edwards. Um, and then the fact that, you know, Edward Kizza and Justin Reddick's options were picked up. Uh, so the Revolution have a very full roster going into the offseason. Yeah, and just to quickly touch on Luis Caicedo, I agree with you 100% there. And if you are longtime listeners to this podcast, you know we were big Luis Caicedo fans when he first came to the Revolution uh, during the Brad Friedel years, he was one of the lone bright spots, uh, but he made four appearances this year. He had two starts. He played 190 games, and this is a guy that prior to um, his injury didn't add a whole lot offensively regardless. I feel like Matt Polster has kind of come in and kind of does all the dirty work that Luis Caicedo used to do, and so really we're looking at Luis Caicedo being more or less a backup Luis Caicedo made $350,000 last year. How much of a pay cut would he be willing to take to stay in New England um, where he's not getting a whole lot of minutes? There might not be a whole lot of incentive for him to stay. Um, I don't think there's a lot of incentive for the Revolution to sign him, uh, especially with Maciel, who's a younger player who takes a supplemental roster spot instead of a um, interna- uh, or sorry, a senior roster spot. Um, although Maciel does have a international spot. We'll get to that in a second. But um, if you're keeping Maciel um, and you have Matt Polster, I'm not sure where Luis Caicedo is needed on this team. Um, and so I, I think he is not really much of a fit anymore, which is a real shame considering how, how great his his revolution career started. Um, Scott Caldwell, I think that we might see Scott Caldwell back. He's a hometown guy. I think he's still eligible for the Revolution's supplemental roster, which um, they've cleared out three spots. Tejan uh, Colin Verfuth and Scott Caldwell were all on the supplemental roster, the 21 to 24 slots. Um, right now, Henry Kessler is occupying that portion of the roster and there's no one else. So I think Scott Caldwell can still fill a spot there, which might be a little bit more valuable to the revolution than other teams. I wouldn't expect to see Scott Caldwell to come in on the $205,000 salary that he was on. Um, he, he, even though he made 13 appearances, didn't play 200 minutes was weirdly missing from that playoff game on Tuesday night, which I think they could have used him for. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's also kind of been gone down the depth chart, and he's really more or less just a luxury player to have. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back, if he's willing to take a pay cut. If he wants to come back for a hundred or 120000 maybe they work out something there. But the fact that he was absent from Tuesday kind of makes me feel like mm, there's probably nothing there. Um, And in terms of Brad Knighton, you know, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of time left in his career. I could see him trying to get a starting job somewhere else. Um, you know, he's he's pretty much blocked by Matt Turner. If Matt Turner's with the Revolution for next year and going forward, um, Brad Knighton is a good backup to have. If he leaves his last appearance for the Revolution, he won Team of the Week in Philadelphia. Um, I thought he did pretty good outside of the Toronto game uh, filling in for Matt Turner. So he might have got some attention from some MLS GMs and, and might have earned a starting job with a Charlotte or another team that might have goalkeeping woes that could use a steady veteran on a team-friendly contract. Um, I, I could certainly see Brad Knighton going somewhere and getting a two-year deal at 160 170 per and getting a bit of a raise from that 140 per that he was making last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think there's arguments to be made for Caldwell and Knighton to come back, but um, really Caldwell is the only one that I see fitting in. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on the roster decisions? Did anything surprise you? And do you think any of these people that are out of contract are coming back? Yeah, I'll start with the out of contract guys. You know, uh, Luis Caicedo, I I think I'm with you guys. I I can't see him coming back for any amount. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he's had uh, quite a injury history, I guess. Now, you know, it's been developing over the last year and a half, two years, 18 months or whatever it has been. Uh, 
he just hasn't been able to stay fit, stay healthy. And when he was getting the minutes, he didn't look like himself. Uh, didn't look like what we're used to seeing, I should say, at least. Um, and that's that's really unfortunate. I really like Luis Caicedo, but I agree it's time to move on, move on from him. Um, the Brad Knighton points, I, I agree. You know, he might be looking to compete somewhere uh, to get a starting job, uh, to finish out his career, and you know, all the more power to him. I don't see Revolution necessarily trying to to spend any extra to keep Brad Knighton, especially when they have Earl Edwards Jr. My confidence with Earl Edwards, I don't know exactly where that lies, but you know, he's still a professional goalkeeper. I guess I gotta give him some credit there. Um, I, I don't know what the Revs would would want to do. I guess with that third spot, maybe bring Brad in if if the salary was right, but I'm not sure it would be. Uh, Scott Caldwell, I think that's the one point where I almost disagree with both of you. Where I don't think Scott Caldwell's coming back at all. Um, why? It, I, I feel like a lot of the season. If you look at a lot of the mistakes that that have happened over the year, a lot of the mistakes come from the midfield. And while I don't think Scott Caldwell is necessarily to blame for any of that, I think that he would be occupying one spot in the midfield where you're looking to bring in maybe an excess amount of players. That midfield, in my opinion, really needs to be strengthened up. And I'm not sure you want to take one of those midfield spots and give it to Scott Caldwell because while he's a solid player and he does what's asked of him, he's not a game changer. He's not going to be pushing... The guys that are on the pitch, he's not going to push Tommy McNamara, Matt Post, or anything like that for their positions. Uh, so I think bringing in Scott Caldwell might be a mistake. Um, and I hate to say it because it, uh, uh, he's one of my favorite players on the team. So it's going to be really sad to not see Scotty in a revs kit next year. But I, I don't see him coming back. Yeah. Uh, as for the surprises, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. It's just a little bit surprising to see uh, Kizza and Renix get the get their options exercised. Maybe Renix makes more sense because you know he fits in the homegrown in the homegrown pipeline, not taking up international spot. And, you know, there's there's some upside to him. He's been doing pretty good overall with Revs 2. Not outstanding, but you, you were seeing a little bit of promise there. Kizza, it, it's a head-scratcher for me. He takes up some very al- very valuable resources. Uh, I'm not I'm not really understanding the decision to proceed with him, especially when I think there there's quite a bit of international need to um, improve this team. You know, you can, those are valuable pieces. You can go out and, and bring in uh, guys from all around the globe, so... That's that's the only real head scratcher I have. Yeah, the one the one thing I'll add about Cobble is the the point that Greg made, which is a good one. That um, I think he can make up to about two hundred and five thousand in salary as a homegrown and still be on a supplemental slot, which which is a nice a nice value to have for kind of a veteran guy that's a good locker room guy and that can you know give you some minutes off the bench. But I wouldn't be surprised either way with Caldwell whether whether or not he comes back. I think I think there's a you know either either one is possible. And the fact that he didn't even make the bench for the one playoff game um, leans towards him maybe not coming back. But um, the the whole fact that you can basically use him, give him two hundred and five thousand. Uh, and put him on a supplemental roster spot where he's not cutting at your salary cap and not cutting at your senior roster is is quite valuable. I don't think you'd find another player with kind of his you know, of his caliber that you could you could do that with um, on the roster. That's a fair point. If you have that spot open, that supplemental spot, and you, you don't have anyone in there, yeah, of course, offer the offer the contract to Scotty. Um, if if you're filling it with the other players that maybe make more difference or maybe help more with your attack or in the defense, I, I'd say look there first. Uh, and I think I mentioned this the other day, but Scott Caldwell missing from the lineup struck me as very Diego Fagundes, although that theory also extended to Captoom uh, and Christian Mafla, who are under guaranteed contracts. Uh, but still, I think Scott Caldwell uh, and Diego Fagundes, I get the same feeling that, um, you know, maybe something has happened and maybe he was told he was not going to be resigned or something to that effect. Uh, and they, they mutually agreed to leave him out of the 18. It was very bizarre to, to leave Scott Caldwell out of the 18, um, especially since they needed two midfielders anyway uh, in, the, in the center of midfield. But uh, real quick, I want to touch up on the international roster spots. Um, we had a point of debate here before the show because I'm pretty sure someone at some point told us that Maciel is not occupying an international roster spot or, or sorry, I think the Revolution ro- roster on their website shows he is not an international uh, but that is disputed. Is that correct, Sean? Am I explaining that correctly? Yeah, so the, the league has a nice kind of breakdown of what uh, roster spots people fall into, and it does not list Martial as an international. However, I'm pretty positive I've had this discussion with you know other people in the media that have confirmed with the team that he is, in fact, an international, and there's nothing anywhere saying he's got a green card or anything. So I I, I was told that that was a mistake in the past. 
Um, so I'm I'm pretty confident that Masiel is in fact an international, despite the fact that the Revs roster does not list him as one, and MLS's roster does not list him as one. So uh, if you assume Masiel is an international roster player, all eight spots are occupied: Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, Carlos Heel, Wilfred Captum, Christian Mafla, Arnor Tristesen, Edward Kiza, and Masiel. And outside of those three designated players of Bo Buxa. And heal the other five: Captu, Mafla, Tristesen, Kiza, Masiel. Um, you, you can argue those are five not great uses of international roster spots. Um, with that all being, and, and also going back to Chris's point, I'm a little surprised Kiza got extended this year. Uh, had his option extended, so obviously they see something in him um, that's obviously a compliment to Edward Kiza because. Uh, it would have been very easy to cut bait and bring in the international roster spot. Uh, but regardless, uh, that leads to my next question, though, uh, Sean. And I'm teeing this one up here for you. But uh, there are 16 players or, well, uh, oh, actually, one more note before I move on from contract decisions. But previously, we talked about how Teal Bunbury had a contract option. He didn't have a contract option. The MLSPA flat out lied to us. Uh, Teal Bunbury had a guaranteed contract, according to the Revolution's press release. Uh, so uh, just to go over the... Uh, Players under contract for 2022, the players that had guaranteed contracts, Emmanuel Boateng, Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa, Teal Bunbury, Brandon By, AJ De La Garza, Earl Edwards Jr., Andrew Farrell, Carlos Heel, Wolford Captain, Christian Mafla, Tommy McNamara, Matt Polster, Damien Rivera, Arnold Tristesen, Matt Turner, and then six players with options exercised again, John Bell, DeJuan Jones, Henry Kessler, Edward Keza, Maciel, and Justin Rennox. Those are your 22 players that are currently on the New England Revolution roster. Eight of them occupy international spots. Sean... Do you think any of those 22 players under contract uh, we don't expect to return? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it on the last episode. Adam Buxa, I think there's a very strong chance that somebody makes an offer for him and that he goes away in the offseason because I, as far as we're going, it's one year left in his contract. So if the Revolution are going to cash in, now is the time to do it. Um, and that would clear up an international roster spot as well. Um, you know, Matt Turner, there's always possibilities i think he he was quoted recently in an interview as saying that he'd be very interested in playing at the premier league at some point i don't know if there's actually an offer out there for him to go to the premier league um uh anytime soon of course the the good thing for him is that he doesn't need um a work pass a work permit because he's got lithuanian passport so that that helps him out there um actually actually i should take that back i'm not sure if anything's changed with brexit but i think i think it's still the case that he wouldn't need a, a work permit because of that lithuanian passport um but i you know so those two guys could be gone i think books is more likely to be gone of the two um but then my more controversial take is i think the revolution should move on from christian mafla we, we saw they did it with alexander Butner um in previous years and i think mafla is a guy that's a candidate you know if you can't find someone to take him on a free transfer um, that the revolution should kind of look to potentially buy him out and move on from him. You know, he he hasn't stayed healthy enough throughout the season. He was another guy that didn't make the bench in the playoffs. Um, he's taken up an international roster spot. Uh, and on top of that, he's one of the more highly paid players on the team. Um, and I just don't know that, you know, him making, Hey, he, made, he was guaranteed comp last year was $500,000, 495. So, um, a very highly paid player that's not contributing. And it, unless the revolution think Dewan Jones is going to go away soon, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to to move on from Christian Mafla, buy him out, and then, you know, perhaps give a contract offer to Ryan Spalding, who made the, you know, the, the league best 11 in um, the second division of USL uh, for Revs 2 and is a very solid left back that I think could could do a good job as Dewan Jones' backup rather than, you know, spending an international spot in $500,000 on, um, you know, Ryan Spalding could potentially be on the supplemental roster instead of spending $500,000 on Christian Moffat to take up an international spot and, you know, not stay healthy and, and not make the bench. Um, that's just my thought there. Uh, the, you know, one more guy, too, is I, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if, you know, the revolution looked to to move on from Arnold Tristeston, um, if there was an opportunity for, you know, a team overseas to to pay a transfer fee, that's probably cut rate right at this point, given his play. Um, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if, you know, given how the season has gone for him, that he might be looking to go back to Europe. So those are just, um, you know, Moffle and Tristan wouldn't be shocked if um, I, I don't think Tristan's a buyout candidate. I think it would have to be some sort of, you know, transfer to go back to Europe or, you know, probably not a lot of money, but an opportunity for him to do that. And I think, but I think Mafla, you know, either way, either they try to find a, a free transfer or a cheap transfer, or they, you know, look to move on by buying him out. Now I have, I have Mafla. Sorry. I just want to be real quick. I think Mafla is at 400,000. I think Captoom is at 500,000. 
Is that that's what I have as my numbers here? But regardless, I think so. Mafla's base salary is four hundred thousand, but his guaranteed comp was four ninety five. Good clarification, thank you, Sean. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about potentially buying out Wolfram Captoom? Because I personally have been Mafla. I think has just been bit with the injury bug. I, I think there might be a little bit of potential here. I think I'm a lot more optimistic on Mafla than a lot of other people. Whereas Captoom, I feel is not particularly the best player, and I think that kind of shows the fact that he was left out of the 18 on Tuesday night as well. Um, I think he's behind Tommy McNamara on the depth chart, and I think you probably need an improvement potentially need an improvement over Tommy McNamara. I think they might go out and get another central midfielder and Tommy McNamara is kind of your Swiss army knife, uh, utility midfielder type player that comes in off the bench, uh, which would drive Captoom down further. Would you be for potentially buying out Captoom in the same way uh, you'd buy out Mafla? Uh, yes, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Bruce Arena sees something in Captoom, even though he didn't play him in that playoff game where he thinks he might be better in season two. To be perfectly honest, I think the revolution should move on from all three of Bruce Arena's offseason signings and Tristan, Captoom, and Mafla. But um, I think Mafla is the most likely one to move on from. I, I agree that I, you know, there was some better performances from Mafla this season than maybe what I saw from from Captoom at times. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about Mafla and his injury history, you know, it wasn't just this season. I, I don't think the revolution ever should have signed Christian Mafla. I think the writing was on the wall. The guy's nickname is Glass Legs. Um, he has a very long history of, of not being able to stay healthy. So, you know, the Revs got what they should have expected. Uh, I don't, you know, again, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to, to sign a guy for that kind of money, taking up an international roster spot when, you know, you have the best left back in the league in Dewan Jones um, as the way he played this year. So it, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense to have him on the roster. And, you know, I, I you know, if he could stay healthy, he might be able to contribute something. Um, but there's no reason to believe he's going to stay healthy for a season. You know, Sean, I think you're you're just reading my mind right now because you've basically made every single point that I've been thinking. You know, you got you look at the eight uh, international roster slots that are being occupied right now, and the players that are guaranteed contracts or have been having their uh, options exercised. You have Bo Buxahil, Masiel, and Kiza. You know for sure those players are planning on being there. Let's you know exclude potential transfers because who knows what's going to happen with that right but that leaves the three outliers which are arena's three offseason uh, acquisitions from last offseason uh mafla captum and tristison and a lot of me is asking why are these players here uh, part of me is asking that about kiza as well uh but what are these players doing on the roster what what value are they adding and really not a whole lot tristison i think was a massive disappointment i think that he was coming in with the expectations to to really solidify that left wing uh, type area and he really flopped when it came down to it uh, he had what two goals maybe three goals on the season um, he did have I think a fair amount of assists and he was okay with set pieces but that's not the player that you brought him in to be necessarily um, I think I think it was a huge flop for Tristan I I would like to see the revolution maybe move on from him uh, Mafla to your point it makes no sense to pay that much money for a backup left back. I don't understand it, especially when I love that you made the point of uh, Ryan Spalding. Excuse me. Uh, Ryan Spalding, I think that's fantastic point. Bring him in. It, it fits a need and it, it would be a much cheaper option. I mean, I, I realize the revolution don't have to worry about how much they're spending at the moment. Right. They, I think they have quite a bit of money to play with this off season. So maybe they keep some players because who cares, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I would rather see them, you know, offload some of the salary and reallocate those resources to, uh, you know, game changers or potential game changers or try try somewhere else. You know, you made a couple change, uh, uh, you made a couple of uh, attempts at solidifying some positions. Didn't work out the way you thought. I think it's time to move on and, and try something else. I just want to make one quick point there because you brought up Tristan's assists um, and he did have seven assists this season, which on paper looks pretty good. Um, but I, I've seen people you know, put that stat out there a lot. Five of those were primary assists. Um, the interesting stat to me is, you know, we we talk a lot about kind of advanced stats in this podcast, whether it's expected goals or expected assists. Tristison had 1.5 expected assists. So he had seven assists on paper, 1.5 expected assists, which tells you he was extremely lucky to have seven assists. Um, you know, a very unsustainable level of luck. And if you go back and watch the assists that he had, you know, some of his assists were a, a pass 30 yards from goal to Gustavo Bo, who, you know, sh sh shot a 35 yard rocket into the upper 90 that, you know, is not, is not normally going to be an assist that probably had an expected assist value of like 0, 0.0 something. Um, so, uh, you know, I, it's, I think it's deceiving to look at his stats and say, Hey, you know, seven assists is not that bad. 
um, it's it's not it, he did not perform at the level that those assists would imply, and you know that's not even talking about the the costly multiple red cards that he had, you know, for the Revolution this season. I'm glad you brought up that stat because I had no idea, and I was wondering where all those assists were coming from. So that I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think a few of them were on the crazy Gustavo Bo, you know, shoots from the middle of nowhere and scores. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They were. And, yep. Yeah. So he he got like point zero two expected assists. Uh, and that turned out to be a, an assist in the stat column. So, yeah, I, I think that's a bit of a fluky stat. And, yeah, those three players that we're talking about here make up $1.275 million. Uh, and that's a lot when your your salary budget plus GAM is, let's see here, 6 point, nope, hang on, I lost it, $6.25 million around there. Uh, and that's for 2022. So they're, they're going to occupy a huge chunk uh, of that potential uh, salary budget. Um, real quick, I just want to kind of run through some numbers. First off, senior roster spots. There are four remaining uh, based on the players that have left. The only senior roster players that are uh, that, that have their options declined or had their contracts ended uh, this week, Luis Caicedo and Brad Knighton. So they're off the senior roster. Uh, so four currently open senior roster spots. Uh, and then there are four supplemental roster spots, um, three on the 21 to 24 slots one through 25 to 28 slots um basically the difference there is um certain requirements it's a little bit harder uh to get on 25 through 28 a lot of that is rev two promotions uh super draft picks uh basically there's a reserve uh salary minimum and then a senior salary minimum and um yeah so that, that's essentially the, the difference there uh real quick note though is that earl edwards jr makes the senior uh, minimum salary. And to my understanding, he can be, he's qualified for the supplemental roster spots, 21 through 24. That was completely full last season. And so I'm wondering if, uh, he is able to move down to the supplemental roster, 21 through 24 spots, which would give the revs five senior roster spots. So that's one thing to kind of look at when the rosters are announced last year and they update the rosters on the revolution website, Earl Edwards Jr. Might move from the senior roster down to the supplemental roster, uh, which gives them a little bit more flexibility. But as you guys said too, um, I think the lack of international spots might hurt them. Uh, and I don't know what the odds are of buying out someone completely is. We saw that last year with Alexander Bootner. Um, and I think well, that I sh- should, should point out too, that you can only buy out if you, you can only buy out one player per year and not have it count against your salary cap. So if they were going to do it, it would only be one guy. And for me, the, the prime candidate for that would be Mafla, given his salary and given I don't expect there to be much interest in him, where I do think if you were trying to offload Tristesen, you know, given that he plays on Iceland's national team, you might be able to find a, a, not a top level team in Europe, but a, a you know lower tier team in Europe that would be interested in paying, a, you know, kind of a nominal fee for him or even, you know, to, if, if you wanted to move on from him, I think that'd be more realistically an option than it would be for Mafla. And the availability of Ryan Spalding, I think that's a very, very important uh, metric, too. And you look at Joe Rice, who is expected to leave the team. I don't think, I don't know if that's official yet. Uh, it is assumed he is leaving uh, Revs too, and probably because he is not going to be able to uh, move up to the senior roster. Uh, he's he's going to be blocked by Matt Turner. It seems like the revolution are not interested in moving him up to the senior roster. Uh, he, he's going to go explore options elsewhere. Uh, I, I think it's important to move up Ryan Spalding because you can only play on Revs 2 in League 1 in front of, you know, in an empty Gillette Stadium for so long until you want to test your skills in the USL Championship or somewhere else. So um, if I'm the Revolution, I think moving up Ryan Spaulding, having him occupy a supplemental roster spot is a wise wise move. Even if you don't buy out Mothla, um, I I think that's a prime candidate to move up from uh, Revs 2 to the senior roster spot, similar to how John Bell and Maciel moved up last year. So um, real quick, money-wise, looking at this, the revolution, the, the salary cap did not increase last year due to the CBA negotiations. If you remember, uh, basically they kind of held everything even for one year. So the, the salary budget uh, for 2022 is still 4.9 million. That is unchanged from last year. GAM went up a hundred thousand dollars. So teams can now spend 1.625 million uh, in GAM. Uh, and then TAM is still $2.8 million, uh, which I believe is, you can spend on transfers or re-signing of designated players and stuff like that. Uh, so the key number that we are looking for is the salary budget plus GAM. The Revolution also can use $1.05 million of that Tejan Buchanan transfer fee uh, towards their salary cap. So they can kind of extend that a little bit. Uh, right now, the projected salaries of the 2022 Revolution, this does not include raises. There's going to be some raises throughout this team, especially with Brandon By, who got a new contract. 
Uh, so right now that number stands at about 5.584 million dollars. Uh, you could probably round that up to like 5.7, 5.8 million. Uh, and uh, when you include 2.65 million in GAM plus that 4.9 in the salary budget, we are looking at about uh, 1.99 million in salary cap room. And again, that doesn't include uh, raises to Brandon Buy and some other team, uh, other players that have raises in their contract. So I, I would say the Revs have about, let's say, 1.6 to 1.7 million dollars in budget space that they can kind of play around with. The international roster spots are, are going to hurt them. So I am curious to see if they buy out Mafla or if someone gets a green card. Maybe Maciel gets a green card. Maybe he doesn't occupy a spot. Uh, maybe Edward Kiza gets an, a, a green card because um, I, I believe he spent most of his life in the United States. I, I'm not so I'd have to double check on that, but I, I believe uh, he's been in the United States for a long time. So maybe there are some the players on the team that, that get their green cards and, and no longer take an international roster spot. Uh, but salary-wise, uh, the Revolution are looking good. Thanks a lot to the Tejan Buchanan transfer. So uh, any other thoughts before we move on from the year-end decisions and the contract decisions here? The only quick thing I wanted to say is uh, Luis Caicedo came to the Revolution in 2018, got his green card before the 2021 20, season. Carles Hill came to the Revolution in 2019. Um, so if he was on the same timeline as Luis Caicedo to get a green card, it's potential that he could get a green card before the season started. So I feel like Carlos Hill said recently he, he's interested in playing for the United States men's national team. Is that Maybe that was a fake quote, but did you hear something like that? I, I don't remember hearing that, but I do think that that is a very interesting idea if he was to, I mean, it's a long process to get citizenship. It's one thing to get a green card. It's another thing to get citizenship. But if he, you know, I do think he's someone that would have something to offer to the U.S. for sure if, um, you know, eventually if he could get that citizenship. Speaking of the United States men's national team, Matt Turner, Henry Kessler called up for the upcoming friendlies. I believe they're friendlies. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, uh, friendlies that are not in an international window. So it'll be against a very weak uh, Bosnia team that's going to be missing a lot of their players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so another clean sheet for Turner. That is what I am hearing. Uh, <laughs> some people disappointed in no Dewan Jones. Sean, any thoughts on Turner and Kessler getting called but not Dewan? Yeah, I mean, I think Turner was a no-brainer. Everybody knew he was going to be called up to the squad. Uh, again, you know, it's not an international window, so most guys in Europe aren't available. Uh, Matt Turner should start this game, I, I would think, for sure. Although uh, Slonina from Chicago Fire got called up, so I don't know if, if you know, I, I don't know if there's thoughts in, in Burhalter and giving a young guy uh, some minutes. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Kessler, obviously not a surprise either. He was part of the, the Gold Cup roster late edition. And, and again, given the limited options this window, it makes complete sense. Uh, I'm disappointed Dewan Jones didn't get called up. I think Dewan Jones was the best left back in MLS this year. He actually finished fifth in Defender of the Year voting. Um, you know, I, I think he deserved it. And, you know, the guys that the U.S. did call up for left back are a lot younger than him. Um, so that probably worked against him. Uh, you know, Kevin Paredes, I think Sam Vines, I'm trying to remember who was called up, but both guys very younger, much younger than him. Um, but with that said, I, I think he completely deserved a spot. And, he, you know, he's only 24 years old. Um, so that was that was disappointing to me. I, I'll be curious to see if we see him get a call up in the, the January camp when it's, you know, even more domestic players get called up. But, um, you know, Turner and Kessler, it seemed like no brainers. You know, I'll say I like that you brought up Slanino too, because I, I can completely see Slanino getting some starts uh, over Matt Turner in this in this uh, window because they are essentially meaningless games, but they're not really meaningless minutes. I think they'll be good. I think Turner should get at least one of the two games. I think there's two games. Is that correct? Um, I think there's there's actually only one game. It's just it's the, just one game. Yeah. So there's not there's not much time to go around. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Okay. So it's gonna be a bit split split and. Uh, I don't know who gets who gets that that first ninety then or that that full ninety uh, between Turner and Slanina, but I think Slanina absolutely deserves to get a shot and to get some minutes under his belt to see what he can do with uh, the first team. Uh, but since it's only one game, I'm I'm going to say it's probably going to Matt Turner because uh, it, if he's going to be the number one overall or even the, just the number two, wherever you rank him, um, we can leave that debate out of this podcast. But you're going to want to get those minutes to Matt Turner because he is still. Uh, somewhat of a developing keeper, even at 26, 27 years old. I just wanted to fix my earlier comment. It's George Bellow and Kevin Paredes that are the guys that I think got called in over over Dewan Jones at left back, and they're 18 and 19 as opposed to Jones being 24, although I do think Jones at this point in time uh, is better than either of them. Well, Sean, do you know what Dewan Jones should do if he wants to get a United States men's national team kit? He should go to Galasso Kits. 
Glasso Kit's mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, <laughs> scarves, and more from, <coughs> more from clubs and national teams over 80 countries in the world. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, you, you laughed right before that, and I know you know where that was going. <laughs> oh, that, that is how you do an ad read right there. Good, good segue. <laughs> that little chuckle screwed me up. So, <clears throat> anyway... If you listened to our last episode, you know we told you about a nifty 2012 training top in a men's large and excellent condition. Great revolution kit. And folks, that has been sold. That's why Early Bird gets the worm. So go check out Galasso kits right now. Some lucky listener snatched that up. Uh, but don't worry, Galasso has more Revolution and United States merch. Uh, and right now they have a women's 2019 away kit in new condition available for $30 before using our discount code. And if you're not sure what you want, you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in your size and style jersey you like, and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. And if you've been holding out on making a purchase on Galasso, go check them out this month, December 2021, because during this month, all orders will automatically include a surprise gift. So go check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection. Make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and at GalassoKits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. Uh, and when you find something you like, use promo code REVSRECAP to save 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. And you get a surprise kit if you make your order in the month of December. Links and code are in the show notes. And I love the offseason. I hope that stays in. I think I have to keep it in. I, I think I have to keep it in. The the silence and just Sean muffling his laughter. Uh, it it I I the I was thinking about it through that first three sentences and it got funnier and funnier as time went on. <clears throat> well, it, it took me it took me about fifteen seconds to realize you were going with that, and then I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, guys, best eleven came out. MLS best eleven. Matt Turner, Gustavo Bo, Carlos Hill, Tejon Buchanan, all making the best eleven. Chris. Uh, do you have any disagreements with this? Do you think anyone on the revolution were snubbed? Uh, and do you think any other, anyone on the revolution were maybe a little lucky to get the uh, best 11 nod? Yeah. You want to talk snubs? Let's go there. Uh, I am still fired up about this. The fact that the best 11 does not include fullbacks. Like it drives me insane Dewan Jones. We were just talking about, he deserves that accolade. He had such a stellar season. Why is he not there? Oh, because MLS decides to omit, uh, outside backs to include more attacking players because that's what everyone likes. It's enough of it. Just give the best players the awards that they deserve. Dewan Jones definitely got snubbed from this list. And then you talk about players being lucky. Yeah, I think uh, Tejon Buchanan, absolutely lucky to be there. I thought he had a, a pretty decent season, obviously. Um, he did. He put up good numbers when he was playing, but the fact is uh, he didn't get as many minutes as a lot of other players did. And then I, I can't think of the, the player's name right now who uh, I think should have got it over him because I am terrible at remembering so many players' names. But uh, there was several different players at his position or at like that that outside wing back or wing position that I think should should have got the the nod over him. Tejon Buchanan, I think, just on the fact that he's had such a breakout year and such a rise uh, in in you know domestic fame, if you want to call it that, uh, I think that really was was like the edge that he had. To, to put him over to get him onto that list and it's it's more of a popularity contest for him at that point uh you know credit to him fantastic player i think that um you know he still deserves some some accolades in that in that department but i think he was lucky to to make the mls best 11 as for as for uh heel and turner i think it's i think they deserved it i think turner maybe deserved it more last year and blake deserved it this year uh blake got it last year and turner deserved it this year so all is right in the world yeah, I, I completely agree with everything Chris said, so I won't I won't uh, reiterate too much of it. But just to add to the the Buchanan point, you know Buchanan was great when he played this year, but he only played 1,700 minutes. He started 19 games of the Revs 34, so he started 56% of the games. To me, that seems like a, very difficult to to say a guy that started 56% of his team's games belongs on the best 11. Uh, Demir Kralic, I don't know if that's who you were thinking of, Chris, yes, but yes. The, the Salt Lake City, uh, Real Salt Lake midfielder, he had 16 goals and nine assists. Uh, played 1,100 more minutes than Tejan. Tejan had eight goals, five assists. You know, I think Kralich uh, really deserved to be on there. And Tejan, you know, again, fantastic player. The the sale price tells you that. But, I, I, you know, if Tejan wasn't doing so well for the Canadian national team and, you know, putting in those those minutes for the national team, I don't think he would have been on this list. Uh, and I don't think national team performances should count towards the MLS best 11. It should be based on MLS performances. So that one, that one I don't get. 
Um, the rest makes sense. Turner, you know, he was goalkeeper of the year. Of course, he's going to be the goalkeeper on the best 11. Uh, wouldn't make much sense otherwise. Uh, Carlos Heel probably going to be the league MVP. Of course, he's on the best 11. Gustavo Bo, um, you know, top three in the league on goal, expected goals plus assists or re- actually regular goals plus assists. Um, you know, just a fantastic season for him. You know, you can argue that there were, you know, towards the end of the season and towards the beginning of the season, he was maybe not as good as he was in the middle of the season, but on the whole body of the work, I think, you know, he's, you, you, there's some guys you could argue should have been on there instead of him, but it was a very close race. So I don't think you can have, you know, too much complaints about, about him getting on there. It's just Buchanan. I don't think, um, you know, necessarily should have been on there. And if you're kind of look at revs guys, I think Jones deserved it more than Buchanan. I think Polster, if you're looking at revolution midfielders deserved it more than Buchanan. Um, not that I'm saying Polster should have been on there. I do think it should have been, you know, Krelich over, over, um, Buchanan, but that's, you know, Buchanan's the one guy that stood out as, is someone that, you know, probably was lucky to be on there. And I think Dewan Jones was, you know, unlucky to probably be one of the first couple cuts not to make it. It also doesn't help that there are three defenders. Uh, I think they do a three-four-three, which is kind of yeah. silly because and no all one, center backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no one plays that formation anyway. But I digress. That's also another reason why we need uh, Dewan to get the United Statesmen's national call up. And should give a quick shout out to a uh, friend of the program, John Siegel at MLSsoccer.com, uh, former member of the uh, Revolution Beat. There, former uh, guest on this program. Uh, he tweeted out that he did give a best 11 nod to Dewan Jones, rightfully so. So it's good to see that Dewan Jones wasn't, was at least uh, not shut out uh, from, from national media attention. They don't reveal the voting, but good to know that he uh, at least got one vote there. Um, hey, guys, Dejan Buchanan is leaving as the revolution. He's a player of the revolution. He's played his last game in New England. Um, Let's end on a positive note here. Let's not end on him uh, maybe not being deserving to be on the best 11. Let's talk about our favorite Tejan Buchanan moment. Chris, uh, I'll go to you first. Uh, what will you remember from the Tejan Buchanan era? The Philly backflip. I think that's it. The, uh, was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Philly, right? Uh, the, the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs where he scored that that goal at such a narrow angle uh, to really put it, I think it was 2-0 at that point. Uh, that that one moment for me really sticks out as like the defining moment of, you know, Tejan's really the curve, the arc of his career uh, really started to to take off right there um, and just really developed into something nobody really expected. I can't imagine. Uh, I definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, and that was that was the moment where it solidified to me that this is a player. Uh, the Revs are extremely lucky to have this guy right now. Uh, didn't see a transfer coming so soon. That was fantastic for him. Uh, but yeah, that that moment right there is definitely going to be the one that sticks with me the most. That's my favorite Tejan moment. Yeah, it's maybe a cop out, but I, I can't pick one moment. I'd rather pick the entire 2020 playoff run that he had uh, with the revolution, that Philadelphia game, certainly. And then the game against Orlando City, where he really uh, owned Nani in that game and, and put in a fantastic performance. And, um, you know, playing as a, as a fullback, playing as a right back rather than, you know, maybe not a, a pure fullback, but playing as a right back rather than as a winger. Um, so not really his natural position and did, did so well in those two games. I think, you know, against Columbus, maybe less so, but the, those first two games really kind of was his arrival on the, on the big stage with how well he performed. And I think that, you know, that really showed what he could be. And, um, you know, going into this season, the expectations were so much higher because of how good he was down the stretch for the revolution in 2020. Yeah. His, his stock rose so much in 2020. It's kind of crazy to remember that fall where he was just absolutely on fire. And I remember that goal he scored against Philadelphia, which was really his first big goal during the regular season. Um, just an incredible shot. And, yeah, that, that whole 2020 season, he, he really made himself known. I, I'm going to pick the goal from Tuesday, I, I think, even though it's going to be, um, you know, the moment that was before the penalty kicks that uh, kind of ended in disappointment. Uh, I think Tejan Buchanan kind of created a, a great moment there, that, that cross from Emma Poteng, uh, spiked home by Tejan Buchanan. Um, I, I think that was a really great way for, for him to go out uh, and uh, at least give us one moment uh, before New York City FC uh, put us out of our misery there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I also think I got to give a shout-out to the, the 2020 uh you know, tackle on Nani there, which led to the Nani meme where he's just lying down face down, very upset that he had the ball taken away from him by Tejan Buchanan, a makeshift right back. Uh, and, and also I want to mention the uh, 2020 gold cup, even though it wasn't in a revolution kit. Uh, I think there was a lot of pride that Canada was making themselves known. And there was a revolution player at the center of it all scoring against Mexico. So a lot of really great moments from Tejan Buchanan in the last year and a half. And uh, hopefully he does, well in Belgium and we'll be seeing him in the champions league soon. So, um, moving on, uh, Chris, 
I believe you have some bold predictions from the beginning of the year. Can we run through those and see if anyone got anywhere close to nailing their bold predictions from the beginning of the season? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna. We we had we did a lot of bold predictions. I think we went through uh, a lot of predictions from listeners as well. So I'm gonna run through what I got from uh, listener predictions real quick. Uh, we had a listener, Cam, says John Bell will win a starting job, and I think uh, applaud him on that on that prediction right there because. Uh, I think he did a lot more than a lot of people were expecting uh, of John Bell this season. So credit credit to Cam on that one, but not not quite on the net. Um, half credit, half, yep. Half credit for sure. Uh, Chris Creighton says Rennix will come out of his shell and prove he deserves to be here. I mean, maybe he did that for Bruce because his option is exercised. Um, <laughs> but I don't think anyone else could really argue that that was a successful prediction. One glorious uh, minute from Justin Rennix this season. What's that? One glorious minute uh, <laughs> from Justin Rennick this season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think having one minute is worse than none. But um, quite a quite a big Revs fan. He had uh, three predictions here. First was uh, Rennick's is a bust. And I think that's wrong because Bruce obviously sees something in him to, to exercise <laughs> that contract. Uh, but he also he goes ahead and says, uh, Buxa is going to get 10 goals and get sold to Europe midseason. Um, I think Buxa exceeded his expectations on that one. And then obviously no, no sale uh, to date. So not quite there. Um, and it says Captoon will flop at first, but then he'll find his footing. Um, that third prediction, I think you got it right on, right on the uh, nail on the head on that one. Um, depending on what, how you define he, he finds his footing, right? Um, I think he's, he's more comfortable and he looks pretty confident in the midfield, but um, definitely not a game changing player. Any, any, but, any input on that prediction there? Found his footing on the bench. Am I right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he he definitely looked better as the season went on, but he still hasn't. I mean, he didn't establish himself as a regular starter. So I, I, I it's a it's sort of some credit for that prediction. I so, say some solid B minus <laughs> predictions there. He passes. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it passing grades for sure. Uh, moving on, we got Macho says uh, Tejan scores more more than Bo. Um, that was a fail. Sorry, Macho. Uh, Riley Revs fan says Buxa with 15 goals. I think Buxa finished with 16. Is that correct? Um, so spot on for that. Uh, there was a two more from Riley Revs fan says Tejan will be a super sub on the wing slash right back. Uh, not quite super sub. I think he started more often than, uh, than he was subbed on. Uh, the third prediction is Revs finished third to fifth in the East. And, you know, this is, I, I mentioned this in the, the last podcast a week ago that there's several predictions saying that's where the Revs are going to finish. So maybe they did exceed expectations in that aspect. And to, to the point that this was a bold prediction at the beginning of the year is pretty fantastic to see, you know, the revs lift in the supporter shield. So, um, a lot, a lot of listeners, you know, we asked for a, a bold prediction. We get several of them and that's, <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. We love them. Um, so Mike Kennedy has three as well. Revs finished third and East. Here we go again behind New York city and Columbus beat New York city in the Bronx to reach MLS cup and then lose to Portland two to one. This is so, the most, that is the most depressing prediction I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you gotta be joking me. Mike Kennedy said that Mike Kennedy. That's said the, that. he nailed those two teams. We're going to beat New York city in the Bronx and then we're going to lose to in Portland. Or did he just say to Portland two to one to Portland? So just to Portland didn't say where that, that is so depressing. <laughs> you gotta be joking. It, it is oh very, very God. close on that one. Oh my God. God. Ouch. Next. Uh, Mike Kennedy's other predictions, uh, a little bit uh, less accurate. I'm going to say uh, Kessler Defender of the Year. M- maybe some people voted uh, for Kessler. I know. I think Sam Mitten voted him that. But uh, the last prediction uh, is a real throwaway. Uh, Kizza would be Rookie of the Year. Do we, I, I don't know if we have a rookie of the year, but I, I know it's not. Yeah, not even a real award anymore. That's how bold a prediction that is. Mike Kennedy <laughs> thought they were going to bring back rookie of the year. Good I think point. he meant newcomer of the year, but yes, yes. Either way, either way, unfortunately, a little bit off there. I, I, I didn't know if it was team rookie of the year or league, but if it's league-wide rookie of the year, it's even further off than I was thinking. If it's team rookie of the year, I think he wins by default. Oh, no. Well, John Bell and Does, does John Bell count no. as a rookie after playing in USL a, a year? I don't know. If he doesn't, then, <laughs> I mean, then Kiz is rookie of the year. <laughs> right. Uh, moving on to uh, some predictions from the podcast. Uh, Sean, you, uh, you're skating by on this one because you were not on that episode. Uh, Seth was the one that joined us. Seth Maycomer of the Ben Musket uh, so I'm going to go through, and if Seth has anything bad, Sean, I'll leave it up to you to defend him, uh, even if you don't believe in it. 
Uh, and I'll start with I'll start with some of Seth's predictions here. Um, actually, he he references Greg's prediction. So let's start with Greg's predictions. Uh, Greg, you said Bo will end up this season in a super sub role. Um, you want to defend that? No, I don't. That's bad. Okay, Tejon will play his way into a full time starter, making Bo the odd man out. Any, any... Oh, wait, wait. I will defend this because at the time they were doing a four two three one. There was a formation change, so I get I get a little I get like no credit, but kind of a, I do remember my line of thinking here. No, I I would have I would have I was not on that show, but I would have probably agreed with Greg and Seth at the time that uh, it didn't seem like Bo was fitting under the formation they were doing, and it, you know Bruce Arena didn't figure out that the diamond was the formation to work, and I, I certainly didn't realize that myself either until later on in the season. So at, at the time, it it made some sense. Well, Greg, your your final prediction here, um, which is a kind of a, a moot point, says if the Revs were disappointing, Matt Turner will be loaned to a Prem team over the summer for a six-month loan. Uh, and, of course, Revs did not disappoint, and Turner did not get a loan to, to Europe. And I guess we'll never know what would have happened in that scenario. Yeah, but I'll, I'm going to roll over that bold prediction into next year, too, because I, I think there is going to be a point where the Revs, if they are struggling at the beginning of the year, they're going to want to get him some attention for potentially the World Cup. Uh, and if he needs to go to Europe and they don't want to lose him permanently, I think a loan move makes a lot of sense. All right. And I'm going to move on to Seth's predictions now. Um, so he, he agreed with you, Greg, on, on your predictions as far as Gustavo Bo. Obviously, that did not happen that he would, did not end up as a super sub. Uh, maybe he should have, but he did not. Well, he, was uh, on the, he was on the best 11, so I don't think he should have. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, I, I, I argue otherwise on this, but we'll, we'll save that for a future one. Uh, he, Seth says uh, Revs will sign a striker in the summer. Uh, do you think that should have happened? A striker? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think they needed a center back. Um, actually, striker is really the one position that they, they didn't need. Um, yep. But uh, Kai Kamara is still out there, so uh, you never know. I mean, at the well, same time, it, w- it wouldn't have hurt. Um, you know, there, when there were times when Buxa was with Poland, um, you know, and, and Bo was hurt, where it wouldn't have hurt to have some depth there because, you're, you're, you know, Edward Kizik got minutes that he probably shouldn't have gotten, to be honest. 100%. And it, it, I think to give some validity to to why Seth made this prediction is he was not high on, on Buxa coming into the season. Uh, throughout that podcast back in April, I think it was, uh, over and over again, uh, he reiterated that the expectations for Buxa is probably around nine and a half goals for the season. And Seth's prediction was that Buxa is not going to reach 9.5, not going to break that over under, and that Arena is going to want to upgrade to make sure that the Revs make the playoffs. Um, I actually wrote play oofs on my note, and I, I agree that, you know, that that prediction was an oof. Um, <laughs> so, Seth, bad from you there. And Seth's last prediction was that Tejon ends up playing as an attacking right back. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily what happened. Uh, not a whole lot of hits so far. Uh, any 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 uh, input before I move on to my disappointing? My only defense of that one is also going back to... Um... Yeah, well, actually, you know, I can't get, I can't defend this one. I would I would say if uh, if Seth was predicting the Revs were going to use a uh, a four four two diamond, um, that you could have actually justified that Tejan might have been a better option uh, at right back for his skill set than kind of playing as the weird center ish uh, right center mid that was really more of a winger role that he ended up playing. I think I think you actually could have used Tejan more as a right back, but that's not here or there because I, I I'm not going to give Seth the credit of, of predicting the Revs are going to play a four four two, and even when that did happen. Uh, Tejan still stayed in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say, though, for the second podcast in a row, if you've not read Seth's piece on the 2014 New England Revolution, the oral history, he interviewed a lot of former players from that 2014. You definitely should read it uh, because mm-hmm. that piece is much better than Seth's predictions. Oh, far better. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, fair warning, my predictions are just god-awful. Uh, nothing could have made these come true, right? Uh, my first prediction was that the Revs will win the uh, U.S. Open, the U.S. Open Cup, uh, and of course that didn't happen this year. Uh, and on that podcast, Greg, you made sure to inform our listeners to tweet at me as soon as the Revs do not qualify for the tournament because originally the tournament was supposed to be held and there was a qualification process. Uh, so as soon as they announced that they canceled the tournament, my my DMs and and my notifications were flooded. Uh, so thank you to everyone for reminding me that uh, they did not win the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, my second prediction was that Brandon Bai was going to be the MLS best 11 right back, which, of course, as I just went over and ranted about, there is no fullbacks on the best 11. So I don't know what I was thinking in predicting that. Also, 
if there was, Brandon Bai would not have won that award. You got the U.S. Open Cup and fullbacks on the best 11 canceled. You got two things uh, taken <laughs> away. Great job. Yeah, I, I, I'm terrible at this. So uh, there was a couple other predictions that, that we went over. Um, Greg, you had asked us, and this was an impromptu question. We did not plan this in advance. Uh, one player that does not finish the season with the Revs. And, of course, I don't think any player necessarily did not finish the season uh, with the Revs, right? That no one got sold that I could think of or, or got traded away. Um, but Seth kind of hit this right on the right on the head here. He says Tejan and that he thinks that Tejan's going to get sold, uh, which uh, fantastic. Great, great job, Seth. Congratulations to you. Um, the first 100% uh, prediction of the season. Uh, I predicted that Knighton would not be here because I figured that there's going to be a team elsewhere that would need an MLS caliber goalkeeper and they would look to trade for him. Uh, and Greg, you were saying Luis Caicedo, which end of season, um, obviously he's no longer with the club, but it was, uh, I don't know if that means he finished the season with the revs or he didn't. I, I think yeah, he still finished with the team. Wasn't, wasn't what I meant. And I also think if I remember correctly, I get points deducted because in part of my l- logic there was that Luis Caicedo, uh, occupies an international roster spot that might be more valuable to the revolution. Uh, and then it was quickly pointed out to me by someone on Twitter that he got his green card and he no longer occupies a international roster spot. So, um, I was very wrong in my logic. I still felt that he, uh, was dropping down in the depth chart and we wouldn't know how well he was going to be post his injury. Uh, but uh, yeah, hey, Seth nailed it completely on the head there. So he, he might have won predictions with just with that uh, that one. He nailed that on the head. Yeah, 100%. And then the last question was uh, leading team in goals. Uh, Seth went ahead and said Carlos Heal. The logic there was that Carlos Heal takes a lot of penalties. Uh, so he's going to get a lot of set piece goals. Uh, I think he'll ended the season with three goals. If that's correct. It could be four. It was it was a single digit number. It was not close to leading the team. Uh, my my prediction was that Buxa would lead the team. My over under was fifteen, uh, so pretty close on that. And Greg, your prediction was either Buxa or Bo. You were hesitating to uh, make an actual prediction. I did. Did I never make a prediction? You said it was Buxa or Bo. It was one of the two. You don't you get credit for that, Greg. That's, no, that's, that, that's that is no no credit for that. That's a bitch I move. Mean, I can't well, believe you guys fair, let me get away with that. It would, to be fair, up until the to the end of the season, it was either Buxo or Bo. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would I would give credit if they to Greg uh, if they had tied, but you gotta you gotta pick one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. That's the most embarrassing prediction I had that I didn't man up and just pick one. <laughs> I, you talked for a while. You, you might have actually made one in there. It was it was a, a little bit of a rough listen. Um, so, <laughs> if I missed an actual prediction, I apologize. But from listening back, I did not hear a prediction in there. Uh, but that's it. That's all my notes as far as predictions on the 2021 season and how they went. Uh, credit to Seth goes on that Tejan gets sold. And then credit to Mike Kennedy for Revs finishing uh, in the East behind New York City and Columbus, beat New York City and Bronx to reach MLS Cup to lose to Portland. Um, mostly most credit for the Portland part. <laughs> most, mostly credit to Portland and, and some city stuff in there too, yeah, now, um, which is impressive. Now, we do know if Portland beats New York City FC 2-1, we have to do – like we have to uh, – We Mike Kennedy wins something. I don't know what, but if that happens, we, we got to send him – he is the bold prediction champion, even though it wasn't the Revs. If he gets the uh, Portland, New York City, and the score of 2-1 correct – uh, yeah, that, 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 that would be, uh, that, that's a whole nother level here. Absolutely. I agree with that. Well, Hey, before we wrap up, uh, this is the last, well, I'll say this is the last podcast of the 2021 season ending a little prematurely, but guys, uh, do you have a favorite moment from this past season? Certainly it was a great season. First supporter shield in team history would have been the first U S open cup in team history. Also, uh, obviously a disappointing finish, uh, but still a lot of great moments. Chris, do you have a favorite moment from this season? Well, I'm going to take the easy way out and it's just wrapping up the supporter shield. Uh, and I, I apologize if I'm taking the easy one, the low hanging fruit and, and maybe that's what someone else had, but it, I don't know how much can really uh, be a better highlight than that. And and lifting that shield in front of fans, first ever shield in club history. It was just such a fantastic moment. The whole season, uh, it was just such a great journey and such, such a high um, that there's, there was, there was a lot of great moments that really stick out, especially, you know, a lot of comeback wins in particular, but nothing for me beats uh, seeing the revs get to lift the shield at home uh, in front of the fort. It was just such a fantastic moment. 
Sean, yeah, what is your favorite? Oh, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, it's, it's hard to pick one. And, you know, the things that stand out to me are those kind of comeback wins that Revolution have had out throughout the season. Uh, one, one of the first that comes to mind is that game at, at Red Bull Arena where the Revolution, uh, you know, went down one nothing, and then, you know, scored. Gustavo Bo scored in the 60th minute to make it 1-1. And then the Revolution conceded again three minutes later, down 2-1 to one when Fabio scored. And then, you know, this Revolution team on the road could have folded, as we've seen them do in years past before Bruce Arena. But instead, you know, Brandon Baye found his way into the score sheet in the 84th minute, and Adam Buxa scored in stoppage time for the Revolution to get, you know, a really good win uh, on the road, coming back from from two deficits, and we saw games like that all season. So it's hard to pick just one, but um, that's just one that stood out to me. Is you know the, the amount of times the Revs this year you know fell behind and then fought back in, to a win was you know really one of the standout points to me this season, and and why they were able to win in the Supporter Shield. Yeah, I remember that game so well, and I believe the podcast after that episode I edited and we called Red Bull Gives You Wins. Uh, so that was one of my most favorite podcast moments of the of the season was coming up with that name so uh and i will choose my moment from a chilly friday night in chester pennsylvania it was one of the few games i was able to go to this year Uh, i bought tickets last minute off of StubHub when the prices start to hit very very low i got really nice second row seats in the philadelphia union season ticket holder section i was trying to conceal the fact that i was a revolution fan the entire game and as the revolution were holding on to a one nothing win uh at the very few final moments of that game uh henry kessler kicks the ball punts the ball into the crowd then runs over to the ball that is sitting on the station grabs it and throws it as far as he can and everyone around me immediately started swearing and booing and i burst out into laughter it is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in a live sporting event Uh, and that moment will live on forever uh henry kessler is a god and uh, i will always love him for that one specific moment and it's really a shame that we did not get a philadelphia new england eastern conference final and and we actually kind of had to i was rooting for philadelphia to beat new york city fc Uh, unfortunately that did not happen covid happened but uh it it is a little shame that we did not get an eastern conference final between philadelphia and new england uh because i'm sure it would have been a great week leading up to it and i think that that would have added another chapter into the uh, quickly blossoming rivalry uh, of new england philadelphia so thank you henry kessler for your service Uh, i will never forget that moment that would have worked out perfectly because you had the western conference final with the um (laughs) with 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 the, uh, the the stuff that happened between Portland and Real Salt Lake in the regular season, uh, and then with with Ochoa, and then <laughs> and then getting to play each other in the Eastern in the Western Conference Finals. So if you had the the Revs in Philadelphia, it would have been like the the two conference finals between the teams that had like the the biggest. Uh, I, I don't want to use the, uh, the the word on the podcast, but s housery <laughs> throughout the season um, would have been would have been fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm editing this podcast, and I don't know how to bleep out words like uh, Chris does. So, uh, yeah, thank you for editing yourself there, and I apologize for my slip-up last episode. Uh, but that should wrap us up here today. Uh, before we leave, uh, any final thoughts? And let's get an MLS Cup prediction, New York City FC, Portland Timbers. Chris, I will start with you. Any final thoughts, and what's your prediction? Uh, quickly, I wanted to say on my final thoughts, uh, just shout-out to Matt Turner because uh, he's also been – after such a fantastic season, he's also being nominated for uh, 2021 BioSteel Male Player of the Year for U.S. Uh, men's national team, which is uh, incredible to see him on that list with uh, the likes of Christian Pulisic. And um, well, I guess Weston McKenney is probably the only other notable name on that 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 list that really jumps out to you. So it's nice to see him on that. So shout out Matt Turner. Uh, as far as the prediction goes, I, I think Portland takes this. Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, New York City stands much of a chance in Providence Park or Providence, whatever it's called. Uh, 3-1, I'm going to call it. Some people would call that a blowout. Sean, uh, what's what's your prediction and final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think New York City has been lucky to make it this far. Um, they got a revolution team that was clearly rusty and you know not, not at their best. And then they got a Philadelphia team um that was missing half their roster with with covid issues so uh you know i I think that new york city's luck runs out against portland i I don't see them winning three games in a row on the road to win mls cup um i think portland wins that one three to two you know portland's also another team that kind of has the the turf advantage having you know playing on uh fake turf like the revs didn't help the revolution out but i think it will help them out um and also playing on a wider field in new york city fc again uh hasn't hasn't mattered for philadelphia or or the revs but 
I, I just think New York City's luck runs out. But I'm going to go with three to two. Uh, Castellanos will have plenty of rest after being suspended for this last game, so he'll probably get a couple for for New York. But I don't think it'll be enough. Uh, so should be should be a good matchup regardless. I am just very glad that it is in Portland and not in New York City on that postage stamp Yankee Stadium field. Um, I know some people were rooting for kind of the chaos of that, but I, I just I don't think that's uh, conducive to good soccer matches. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we'll get to watch a soccer match instead of whatever you call it when it plays, gets played at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I, th- I think it's worth noting, too, uh, Portland has only conceded one goal so far in this playoff run. Uh, which I think is incredible. So, you know, shout out to Portland on that. And good luck to New York City, because I think they're going to have a hell of a time trying to put anything in the net. New York uh, City won four road games all season in the regular season. They've already run two in the playoffs. I think the law of averages has to even out at some point. <laughs> absolutely. I am going, well, I, we can't all pick Portland, so I'll go the other way. I'm going to go with a one nothing New York City FC victory. Uh, and, and that will just establish... The dominance of the Eastern Conference, that'll be five out of the last six MLS Cups for the Eastern Conference. The stronger conference by far, uh, the Western Conference, just a fraud conference. They keep sending the same to <laughs> joke teams, uh, Seattle Sounders, who we know are frauds, and then the Portland Timbers, who are like the fraud juniors. So uh, I, I think New York City FC being battle-tested and going through the East, uh, they are, are going to win their first ever MLS Cup. Uh, so that is my prediction. And Mike Kennedy is down for a 2-1 Portland win. So... Uh, that just about does it for us. We like to take a moment and thank everyone who came on the podcast as a guest host this year, Julian Cardillo, uh, Sam Minton, Seth McComer, Matt Zitka, uh, Jake Katnice. Uh, we also want to thank, uh, Scott Altman, uh, and Adam and Harold at the, uh, Revolution Comms Department for helping us arrange uh, a number of interviews this year. Tommy McNamara, uh, and, and I'll run through all those. Thank you to Tommy McNamara again, Brett Johnson again of, of U.S. Alta Rhode Island, Brad Feldman, Willie Whitelaw, Jeff Lerwenner, it's John Bell, Brandon By, and Matt Polster. Thank you all for coming on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to everyone who covered the revolution uh, through Revs Media that has not been on our show. There are a ton of great people uh, that we really just don't have the time to invite on between the three of us always doing it. We just don't have a lot of spots for uh, guests, but there are a lot of great people like Tom Quinlan, uh, Frank DeLapa, uh, Tanner Rabello that do a great job here all throughout the year uh, that are attending press conferences regularly uh, and they, they greatly increase the exposure of the revolution throughout the year when 98.5 uh, and, and the legacy media people, uh, you know, aren't showing up to games in June and in the spring and uh, really just show up for the playoff time. So thank you to all of them for putting in their hard work. Uh, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and please make sure you follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Make sure you check out our sponsor Galasso Kits and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order and again if you make your order in December you get a mystery gift Uh, and make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening and if you could please rate and review us five stars it helps people look for Revolution content. Find it. We will be back whenever there is news. I know the Champions League draw is December 15th it is possible the revolution makes some moves before then. It is also possible that we don't have a lot of news uh, until then. So uh, it might be taking a little bit of time off. But either way, thank you all for listening throughout the year. We greatly appreciate you sticking with us week in and week out. Uh, it's been a long season. It's been a great season. Uh, and we really enjoy doing this uh, and talking about the revolution. Uh, and we would not be doing it if we didn't see uh, so many people tweeting at us, sending in our listener questions, um, and replying to us on social media. It's, it's really encouraging to see... Uh, Uh, People tweeting at us year in and year out and also new people coming in uh, and interacting with the podcast and being involved. So thank you, everyone, for um, reaching out and and listening. And uh, we really appreciate it. And if you have any suggestions for our podcast in the future, uh, you can email us at any time at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. So thank you, everyone. It's been a great 2021 season. And we will talk to you soon. Until then, go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.